is the Subtle Forces Podcast. I am your host, Anja. Not Anja. This week, we will be learning about an invented holiday called Glan that celebrates identity and the invention of identity. All right, I'm going to stop talking in my lowest register, or maybe I won't. I'll just start whispering. Before we begin, I just want to say that we are at Scout Studios in Bayview. And Scout Studios is an artist working space, and so some of the um, ambiance that you may be picking up of drills <laughs> and thuds, that's all indicative of the fact that we are in a working artist space where Sue inhabits. Why don't you introduce yourself, Sue? What is your name, Sue? Uh, Sue Lawton. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell me, tell me, uh, you have a family? Yeah, yeah. My husband Chuck and our two kids who are aged twelve and fourteen. Cool. And you celebrate something called Glan. What is Glan? Uh, Glan is a four-week-long festival of identity. What happens during Glan? <laughs> uh, Glan came out of uh, last year's. COVID lockdown and our kids suddenly not being in a structured environment of school and me not being in a structured environment of a workplace and having no concept of what is up, down, left, right, what day of the week is it, what am I supposed to be doing right now, am I supposed to be doing anything right now, Um, who am I outside of the social context that I'm used to being in. And we needed something to mark the time with and something to explore who we are outside of our normal structured life. So we spontaneously threw Springsgiving, which was a holiday where we all picked our favorite Thanksgiving sides. Uh, We're vegetarians, so we're all about the Thanksgiving sides and not the giant turkey. So we all made an entire day making food and enjoying it (laughs) but as someone who works in um, retail display I know that following real Thanksgiving is like a whole big deal of holiday season with a bunch of different holidays and decorations and traditions and things to keep track of so I said well why don't we start our own spring holiday season I have no memory of who came up with Glan as the name. It might be because we decided every week would start with a bonfire and somebody started calling it a Glan fire. And then my youngest came up with the idea of this character named Glan the Elder, who is a wizard, kind of Gandalf-like wizard, who had these like little aphorisms that we would live by. <laughs> what are some of uh, aphorisms? Well, the main one that sticks out in my mind is you haven't been yourself until you've been somebody else. And 
that was channeled by my youngest child from the wisdom of Glenn the Elder. So each week became about an exploration of identity. So week one, we made the fish garland. So that is a cut out a bunch of paper fish of different colors and shapes, decorate them, and on the back of each fish, you write the name of an identity you have assumed. So it could be a Halloween costume you wore one year, school play character, make-believe game with kids on the playground or in the neighborhood, D&D character, because we're a D&D nerd household. And then after that, we string them up above the kitchen table. And according to the tradition established last year, we forget to take it down until real Thanksgiving. Because after real Thanksgiving is when the um, Christmas garland goes above the kitchen table. (laughs) So we still have this year's fish garland up and it will stay there until Thanksgiving. Um, But we sort of came up with the ideas and then made up the reasons afterwards. So why a fish garland? The reason is because all land vertebrates evolved from lobe-finned fishes. So we should honor the fish within our natural fish heritage. Week two. Week two is mask making and the wearing of many hats. So at some point during week two, we all get together with whatever supplies we've been able to scrounge, preferably from around the house, and construct hats and masks of any identity we wish to assume. Um, My favorite one was from the 12-year-old who came up with a tinfoil beret to protect them from mime control. (laughs) And this also involved putting on anti-mime makeup. It was a whole thing. (laughs) What does anti-mime makeup look like? Like a mime, but slightly sadder. I don't know. It was, yeah, I I took lots of pictures. Um, And our oldest, who's very mathematically inclined, made a icosahedron helmet. So taping together all of the geometric sides and then his face just sticking out of the middle. There also, uh, I made a giant dinosaur headpiece. We made some, you know, more typical Mardi Gras style masks with feathers and sequins and things. Uh, There were some gnome hats this year. And then week three is radical hair transformations, which during COVID, because you couldn't go get your hair cut anywhere, meant us cutting hair on the back patio. (laughs) So I gave myself like buzzed sides. I cut, yeah, the whole family's hair last year and I had no experience with cutting hair before so it's a good thing we didn't need to go anywhere and it took some uh, corrections over the following months um yeah hair dyeing this year there was a purple wig hair styling anything to experience new hair identities And what was learned from the new hair identities this year? This year, uh, I learned that I really like dark teal hair dye. So that's what 
I've got and I shared that bottle with one of my kids and we discovered that combing my 14 year old's hair does miracles looks much better with combed hair <laughs> normally uh, combing is a shoot yeah especially after like a full year of virtual school and you don't have to see anybody in the morning and you can conveniently turn off your camera and get away with a lot and nobody really says too much so we're heading out of that but in the coming school year i think there will be more morning prep time so week four gets a little more involved week four is cosplay eve and larp day <laughs> so cosplay eve we scrounge around and find Parts of old costumes, uh, blankets, just things that are around that we can put into a costume for a character that we wish to embody for LARP Day. And LARP Day is not so much like an organized LARPing event where there's actual rules and structure, but LARPing is live action role playing. So there are clubs that get together and do this, and it's kind of like D&D, but you're wearing costumes and you're kind of acting out the things that your characters are doing instead of sitting around a table eating Doritos or whatever. So yeah, instead of doing rules and having you know, actual structure to it, it was more of us running around in the woods wearing our costumes that we had made and pretending to be battling various types of monsters. And what did you learn from week four? Uh, probably not to be so self-conscious and embarrassed and just to kind of let go and how to see invisible monsters. Do you think you're going to celebrate Kalan even uh, in future years? Uh, I think so, as long as the kids are into it. But with the ages they were at this year, uh, they're both, both kids are kind of gender non-conforming, which was a direction they had been going before the pandemic. And then once taken out of the structure of their peers and social lives, it took on a more, I don't know, pronounced exploration and transformation and I kind of am totally on board with that not everyone in our social sphere is totally on board with that so this was kind of freeing in a way uh, but just in the middle school early high school years most people use that time to figure out who their real friends are figure out who they are and who they aren't and not having a good outlet for that is kind of what Galan turned into. And at the end of Galan last year, one of my kids decided to change their first name and pronouns. So now they are a they, them. Mm -hmm. um, if I wasn't so shy, I would probably change to they, them, but I don't feel like explaining to everyone. I feel like that's exhausting. Um, so my approach has been, well, the more artsy approach. 
My husband's band has been together for more than 10 years and they've had the luxury of changing their band name a couple of times. As their style changes and they get new members, they can have that freedom to re-identify themselves and not have necessarily the baggage of their previous band identity. And authors do this too, but you don't really see it with visual artists. So where I'm at now artistically is very different from where I was, say, 10 years ago, kind of going in a different direction and going more toward uh, natural history and natural narratives. And I've been on the sci-fi kick for a while, so I decided to create a sci-fi persona for myself to explore my sciencey side. <laughs> so I've created this other Instagram account and this sort of alternate identity that I'm exploring uh, with the name Venlets, which rhymes with Venlets. And it also is a little bit of a memorial to my dad because the name also rhymes with my dad's name. So I've been coming out of Glen <laughs> experiencing new identity experiments and trying to decide where to go with it now that the world is opening back up and I've been asked to re-enter the social sphere and feeling as though everything has changed. Like I've changed, my family's changed, the whole outside world has changed. I, I feel like every time I reconnect with someone, everyone has some huge story of what happened to them in the past year and I don't know what that's going to look like years down the road especially for this generation I can't imagine anything that profound having happened when I was at that age it was just such everything was so trivial <laughs> and I remember in sixth grade all the other girls in my class were cheerleaders it was a really small, like, parochial school. And I said, I'm going to try being a cheerleader. And I discovered really fast that it was terrible and I sucked at it. <laughs> and I never, ever wanted to do cheerleading ever again. Um, but that was a exploration that was open to me, open to try and fail. And to quote Glon the Elder, you never know who you are. Exactly, <laughs> until you've been someone else. So all those previous identities, they're still valuable, whether they were successful yeah. <laughs> or not successful. And I think that's the takeaway is, if there's something you want to do, then let's. And... Um, if there's someone you want to be, give it a try. And don't worry <laughs> about your past selves, because they're all still there. And you can still honor them. Mm -hmm. Do you wish you had Guan as a young person? I wish I had had maybe more creative friends that would have wanted to do these sorts of things. I did have D&D &D as a kid, and I still have D&D &D as an adult. Um, I remember playing D&D &D with my brothers and my next door neighbor kids. And I still play D&D &D with 
my brother, family members. And yeah, being able to put on another skin and say, I want to be a wizard today, or I want to be a warrior today. <laughs> what do you think gender is? In my opinion? Yeah. In my opinion, I think it's a made-up concept for social control. And I realize that might be an extreme <laughs> viewpoint, but growing up, I didn't really feel any strong connection to being female. And there really weren't any other options that I was aware of at the time. So I figured, okay, I guess this is what I'm doing because this is what everyone's telling me I should do. But it is kind of like you're born with this um, provided framework for how your life is supposed to look and how you're supposed to behave and choices you're supposed to make. And those don't, you know, for maybe 90% of the population, they're happy with it. And they actually maybe like it because, you know, you don't have to put a whole lot of effort into it. <laughs> And it creates this sort of pre-existing tribe, like your tribe of women and your tribe of men, and your prescribed things that you're going to be interested in and bond over. So I can see how human social group behavioral stuff, why that's a value. But for the people it doesn't work for, it just feels like why is this so much work when everybody else seems to find it easy and enjoyable? <laughs> How was this year's Glam different than the first time you celebrated it? Um, I think it was different because we actually had stuff going on. Like last year, there's nothing going on. And this year, you know, with people getting vaccinated and things kind of reopening, suddenly people want to get together and reconnect and it's not all about our little family enclosed family unit so we we're actually struggling to schedule time to do glon stuff because <laughs> you know it's in it's in may so you have memorial day weekend so the in-laws wanted us to come up and visit and hang out and we're like, well, we're not gonna probably do LARPing with them because they're not really into that. And there was Mother's Day weekend was thrown in there and all these other things that you would normally expect. Okay, we're gonna get together. Does Glon have to be observed on a specific date? Not really. I think generally just May was kind of the four, the four weeks fell last year, so we we're generally going off of that. What does Glan remind you of? Um, childlike impulses. The freedom to just make stuff up. I did a lot of that as a kid, just making stuff up. And as an adult, I'm still making, <laughs> making stuff up. Uh, I remember as a kid seeing reruns of like the original Star Trek series or Doctor Who, which have horrible special effects, not great costumes and acting. So it was very obvious that it was just adults 
acting goofy and weird and pretending to fight lizard people. And I really, as a kid, internalized that as, wow, that's the thing I could do. When I grow up, I could just keep imagining and making stuff up. And I think that's a freedom that more adults should give themselves. Um, how would you feel if other people started celebrating Blonde? I would encourage it. I think it's worthwhile. Give it a shot. Explore explore who you are. I'd love to see other people post um, eccentric hats and glon fires and LARPing. So base, the basics are uh, you, to observe glon, what do you have to do? Uh, basically just take four weeks out of your life and at some point in each of that, those weeks explore some aspect of your identity and do something wildly out of character or something you've always wanted to do but never allowed yourself. And what has Glon taught your family, do you think? I think it's taught them that there is uh, safety and acceptance in our, our family unit and that if there's something you want to do, you should give it a try within reason obviously but there's a lot that you can do within reason and what holidays did you observe growing up uh i think like the normal holidays i mean this was pre-internet internet really wasn't a thing until it was in high school so it was the usual thanksgiving christmas easter valentine's day and did you have any rituals that were unique to your childhood? I don't know about that. I mean, every family kind of has the things that have been handed down to them. So I think as a kid, some of those rituals, not knowing the history behind them, made them feel a little nonsensical. Like Halloween, like we're going to go up to strangers' doors wearing a costume and demand candy. <laughs> that seemed like kind of a strange, silly thing that adults normally would not endorse. But on one day of the year, you get to do it. Was Halloween always your favorite holiday? Yeah, I think because it had the most creativity involved. Uh, some of my homemade costumes were not interpretable by other people as a kid. <laughs> I tried going as some kind of bug one year, like a dragonfly-like bug, but then it didn't end up looking like a dragonfly. But I, I took these old stockings that I'd had from like a previous Easter, and I stuffed them full of like quilt batting from my mom's stash. And I used fishing line and turned these into multiple arms that would be attached to my regular arms. So when I would move one arm, two arms would move below it. And I made wings out of coat hangers and saran wrap. And I don't think anyone knew what I was supposed to be. And um, what language is the word Glan from? I think it's the language of the subconscious because it just sort of arose spontaneously. 
Well, what else should I ask you before I wrap things up? I guess I would like for me to ask the audiences how open are you to change of identity and how open are you to someone you know changing? Because I think that's where the sticking point is when you're ready to go back into the world and pick things up, but not quite where you left off. Yeah, I think it is harder to accept the changes of other people than it is to accept the changes of yourself. Because it requires so much explanation and because it requires you know, like I was saying about pronouns, it, re it requires so much work to tell everyone. I, I watched my kid, like over the past year, trying to tell people at school, uh, trying to talk to family members, and, and nobody, it's a, it's a force of habit, and nobody has an easy time making a change of name or a change of pronouns. So it's really complicated because it's all feels so baked in, like you're given a name, you're given an identity at birth, and to try and change all that creates all this upheaval and confusion. And people have been through a lot of upheaval and confusion <laughs> over the past year, so to have somebody you know and, and care about suddenly tell them, hey, that's not my name anymore. Could you please call me something totally different? <laughs> no, I've, I've often thought that, like, you know, if I was a young person today, I'd probably choose a third gender. But it's more, more than I feel like putting up with. Yeah, I've, I feel like I'm so already set. Yeah. Set in my identity and people who know me but at the same time it's like well maybe in the creative creative sphere it'll be a place of latitude where I can sort of put on put on a different self for a while yeah well thank you Sue or should I say um thank you Ven Ven yes thank you Ven you're welcome Thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you to Ven Letts, who said, Then let's, when I asked, would you be willing to share some thoughts about what law is? Thank you to Scout Studios for unknowingly hosting our interview. Thank you to the gender binary for creating such captivity. Thank you to you, my dear listeners, asking yourselves, what is real? What is me? What is invention? And while you're out there asking these questions of yourself and reality, just remember this little thought, that you have both feelers and logic to unfurl these complexities known as the subtle forces.